Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. Dane, thanks for joining us once again. Matt, always good to see you on Sundays. Sean, we talked every day, so good to see you again. Why not? Um, the, uh, just a quick heads up, while I am doing all my things, I have to go through my rigmarole, you should uh, like the show. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, do all that stuff to get your email every day when we go live, which is of course, every day. Now. Uh, quick disclaimer before we dive into any of this, we are not doctors, so anything we do say is our own personal experience or anecdotal evidence based on our experience, and uh, you should be doing your own research if something interests you, by all means. And if you have any questions or comments, by all means, put them in the comment section, and we will put them up on the screen, we'll discuss them, and we will engage that way. Any thoughts, initial thoughts or questions before we dive into the convo? Very good? Solid. So today... The topic is connection to nature. And I wanted to talk about this because yesterday we were talking about connection and community. And it triggered the kind of the back of my head in that the connection doesn't always have to be with, you know, the people right next to you. It doesn't have to be in your community. Your community can be, I know a lot of people have connected with horses, with dogs, with, um, with the, just nature in and of itself. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about your connection to nature and how you, how you, how that happened, where you think you started it, how you've developed it, et cetera, et cetera, on that note. Um, <clears throat> I don't really have a great definition as to connection to nature as I was doing some research there's all kinds of papers and all kinds of uh, definitions on there so let's go around the table and let's talk about how what do you feel your connection to nature is and I'm going to start with Dane what do you think um well the other actually last night I was down at the river having dinner with a friend of mine and what I've been noticing I've been going to the river a lot lately I've been swimming, sitting on the rocks. Um, so, you know, the water's cold, the rocks are warm. Uh, there's a breeze blowing, which, you know, you hear the sound of the trees and sitting there last night, what I really felt was that there's different types of connection with nature. So say we go ride our bicycle every day, or we go running, or we're doing all these different activities. And as great as those are, and they're immersing us in the natural world, we're still focused on that specific. So it's like, oh, we may be trying to ride our bike fast or, you know, we're running, we're thinking about that exercise and the, like more of the process of just being and say, sitting on the rocks, watching the water flow, listening to the, the wind in the trees, that kind of thing. It's a much deeper connection. And I felt like it really brings more sense of calmness mm. and more connection because you're actually there for that purpose, right? Like you're absorbing the natural surroundings rather than just being in it and like say running or riding your bike, that kind of thing. Mm. I like that. Matt, what are your initial thoughts? I think connection with nature is something that, that needs to be done. I think it goes like into like a spiritual level, into a physical level, biological level, even just like emotional and mental clarity at times when you're in with the with the environment. It's something I try to do regularly, like being an urbanite and living in the city all the time. I I don't get much chance to go far out to the mountains or whatever. 
which I'm going to do like three seconds after we're done this podcast, by the way. Um, but I do try to find like parks or something in the area down by the River Valley or even just the local, like my parking lot's got like a good tree green field. And I, I do go out there and I, I try to connect regularly. Um, I find it's just, it's, it's a very deep, deep connection that we have and we've been kind of like humans have and that we've been kind of losing it over the last two, 300 years it's because how we are being more urbanites and more built up, more concrete than rock, right? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts initially? Well, my initial thoughts are uh, it, it's obviously important to connect to nature through a variety of different means. And I think what we're talking about now is the the nuanced connection, as it were, or the deeper layered connection. So uh, as Dane said, uh, going out and shredding on a bike, you're connecting to nature, you're connecting to the single track, you're connecting to the planet, you're connecting to yourself when you're out on a bike ripping. <clears throat> but you've got a lot of parallel processing going on there. You've got a, your heads up display that you're running. You've got all of the vectors that you're running, the fuzzy math, all of the microseconds of uh, how much air do I need to clear this to do that to blah, blah, blah. You're connecting to nature, but you're, you're not fully immersed in it, in my opinion, when you're shredding on a bike, though you're fully immersed in context of someone who's sitting in their cubicle. And so that would be my point is, uh, how, how you, how layered you are in the sense of deep in respect to connecting to nature, I think is simply determined by how much time you spend in it and how intentionally you spend your time. And so Dane kind of alluded to that when he was talking about, you know, sitting on a rock and in, in that moment, depending on if it's your first time down by the river, maybe you're distracted by all of the noises and all of the movement and all of the things. But day after day, if you keep going back to that same spot, eventually all of that patternized uh, noise and activity it kind of gets offloaded into your subconscious state where you recognize the patterns and you can sit down truly and kind of start decompressing in a sense where your central processing unit is not constantly analyzing the bandwidth all around you. It can kind of settle down and just kind of be in it rather than analyze it. And so <clears throat> I know when, um, when someone is involved in nature when they're walking down a trail and they hear a squirrel that I know is there. If they don't hear that squirrel, then I know they're not really deeply connected to nature. They're distracted. They're, they're trying not to trip on the root of the tree that they aren't used to walking over as you, as you kind of first time navigate through nature, for lack of a better term. The more you're in it, the deeper you can immerse in it, the more you're connected to it, the more you can see the nuance of it, the more you can feel it, the more that the white noise gets stripped away and you can really touch the essence of nature rather than be distracted by the veneer of it, as it were. Now, I'm not saying that like a majestic mountain is a veneer. I mean, if you go out into nature for your first time and you see a, 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 a beautiful scene, you're connecting to nature. I'm not... Um, I'm not throwing a, a beautiful mountain under the bus. What I'm saying is it can be a distraction if that's your only takeaway is how magnificent that mountain is. That's my first thought. That's an interesting thing to, to, to throw a mountain under a bus. <laughs> I think that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, 
Dane, or, uh, Dane, you got any thoughts on what Sean just said? To add um, to everything? More just, I guess, to elaborate on what I was saying. I feel like nowadays, you know, life is so fast paced. And so it's like really hard to do nothing. Right. So it's like, that's why these types of outdoor activities like riding a bike or skiing or whatever kind of sport it may be, it's another form of doing. And so by going somewhere and being, it enables you to absorb and connect more to that, like the natural surroundings and to feel the calmness that it brings and kind of teaches us that you can just be because we're, you know, like the rat race, whether you live in the city or you live out where we do in the mountains, I think people are still running around trying to be busy all the time because our brains are so, um, like they're just running all the time, right? Like we're thinking about things. We're all pretty intelligent beings, I think. And there's just a lot of thoughts running through our heads. So to be able to go somewhere and just be there more for the sense of it than actually to be trying to do something, uh, enables us to connect more and just to have, yeah, just a feeling that like maybe things are okay and like you don't have to be doing things all the time and that you're just more able to be, so to speak. Presence is an interesting thing, Matt. You got any, uh, nod your head a little bit there. You got a point. Yeah, just on. like, just back to Sean there. I like what he's saying. And I'm just going to paraphrase it how I understood it is that there's a difference between being in, the, in your head, in the moment, and in the environment, right? That's how I kind of mm. took on that. And I like what Dean was on saying there. Um, where, yeah, like we are so accustomed to being busy and not doing something relaxing feels like it's not a task or being busy. That is a very health oriented thing too as well. Meditative as well as just physically being out of an urban environment, right? Um, not to get too healthy or, you know, that kind of round. But yeah, I, I really agree with what both the guys are saying. Hmm. So I have a question for you guys, but Sean, you got anything uh, to add on to that? Yeah, I just, uh, I'm going to throw not a monkey wrench into the works, but I want to make sure that um, I'm throwing this into the mix anyway to maybe give this more of a three-dimensional model because I think that we could get sort of singularly focused on nature being like the, the, the tree and the breeze. That's what we're focusing on right now where, like I just said in the green room, I just got off the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mats with my youngest son where I was connecting with nature. What nature? My son, a human being who is a natural being in this world called our planet. And so I don't think we have to uh, identify nature as a, a pine tree. It can be another human. And I know that that's not really the main thrust of this uh, conversation, but you know, by connecting to um, a pine tree, what are we connecting to? Are we connecting to the tree or are we connecting to ourselves? And so when we are sitting down, like on the regular, I nearly every day will ride up to the mountains and I'll ride up with a, some sort of thing, a pastry or a little sandwich or whatever, because I'll ride up and at some point in my ride, it doesn't matter. In fact, I explained this to someone uh, just yesterday. Sometimes, and I actually, I pointed it out to them. I said, sometimes I'll be ripping down this trail right there. And you see that little sun ray that's shining on that dirt there on that fern. You see that fern? 
I'll lock up my brakes right next to that fern and I'll put my bike down and I'll sit next to that fern and, and have my sandwich. Well, why there? Because that's what caught my eye. Because that's what I wanted to do in that moment. Because I was in the real time processing, thinking that's what I want to do now. Not that's what I want to do tomorrow. That's what I'll do yesterday. That's right now. That's where I'm locking up my brakes and having my sandwich. So every day I pattern interrupt myself out on the single track. It's pretty common for me to stop at a fern or stop on a rock or stop next to a squirrel and see if the squirrel wants to come hang out with me or not. Connection to nature is um, sometimes impromptu, sometimes planned, but I don't think it has to be a squirrel or a tree. It can be my son on the BJJ mats is the example. Mm. That is a fantastic point. I was actually going to take us in that realm. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to talk about the natural world as as a whole, not so much just like... You know, it's not that you have to go out to nature, it's that there is a natural world all around us and we can utilize those those moments in life. And I was going to tell the story and ask a question. So the story that I want to tell was just recently, I was coming back from BJJ as well, where we were doing uh, quite a bit of rolling and the things that I was telling, talking to people were about was feeling. Just reach out with your feelings, like be a part of the moment in that moment, in that role. And then as I was riding home, there was a squirrel and he was running along the, uh, the fence beside me. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the distraction because they heard a squirrel or saw a squirrel, but it comes to the point of the story. Um, as I was riding, I could have just been like, Oh, cool. A squirrel. And then kept riding. But what I actually did was I sat and I watched the squirrel run along the fence and I focused on the natural movement of the squirrel itself in how he was running, in the fact that his head wasn't moving and his body was just kind of going crazy underneath him as he was running along this fence in a perfect perpendicular line. And I thought it was really cool. And it was an instant connection while I was riding home. And so what I wanted to ask you guys was, do you find those moments, as Sean was just saying, where you're just like, cool, I'm going to hit that moment right there? Or is it a more of a planned like okay i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna connect with nature now and go out and do so or is it a mixture of both matt i think it was a mixture of both for myself honestly like with your squirrel story today when i was doing my morning stroll just to get some sun and some some stretching around there was a magpie just bouncing around the grass and me and him basically just had a quick little two second conversation hmm. like he was chirping i was chirping back at him called him an idiot he said goodbye and then he flew away right um but I think it's, it, for me, it's more spare the moment. Like, yeah, I'm planning to go to the mountains like right after the podcast, but I don't have a plan either. Like I am just heading west and hopefully something happens. And I got my, you know, my bug out kit just to, so I can set up a hooch or whatever, wherever I, I end up landing. But yeah, that's, I I love the spare the moments, just taking that half second, 30 seconds just to be there in that moment. And it could be nature, it could be, you know, watching a really nice car going down the highway or something right it's just that being in that second is what really matters to me dane what do you think yeah i think um we are connecting on numerous levels so like say i'm out in the mountains skiing and riding my snowmobile and uh towards the end of the day we're riding down and there's a beautiful sunset and you know we stop and enjoy that view for a moment so you're definitely still immersing yourself while you're out doing the activities or maybe, yeah, you are watching an animal or 
um, whatever might attract your attention out there. I, I just think depending on what you're doing, there are different levels of, um, absorption, so to speak. Mm. Sean. Yeah. And, and more, maybe a little bit more, uh, granularity on what Dane just said. It's maybe it's not so much depending on what you're doing. It might be a case of depending on how long you've been doing what you're doing. Mm. And so for Dane, as an example, when, uh, he gets big air, uh, on his skis, when he's turning that 360 in the air, I'll compare that against me getting big air and turning a 360 in the air. I'm seeing nothing except panic. <laughs> Dane is seeing everything in slow motion and probably crafting what sandwich he's going to eat after he nails that uh, landing in his head. And so what he's capable of in the moment is way different than what I'm capable of in the moment. And so the longer you've been doing something and you get into that moment, that's where the granularity starts to take effect. That's where you get to see how deep you want to connect with the moment. We all know when you, when you start a new thing, you don't even, you can't even process what's happening barely. It's, it's a bit of a blur. Uh, but when you've done it a thousand times, the blur is now slow motion and you can almost make your peanut butter sandwich as you're turning your whippity doo dot in the air. And so I think it comes down to um, how long you've been doing something when you find yourself in that special sunset moment. Maybe someone who's done it 10 times, they see the sunset and everyone's nodding. But someone who's done it a thousand times, they see the sunset they're nodding, but they also feel a small breeze on the back of their neck on the right hand side that the other oh. person doesn't. And that's, that's the deal, man. The more you're in the game, the more you feel the game, you know? So Dane, have you, uh, you've been making peanut butter sandwiches on your big air trips or <laughs> no? Like no, but I guess speaking about that and when I was thinking about it a little bit more and, you know, you're talking about connection with nature doesn't have to just be like, you know, maybe the, the wind in the trees or whatever. And, um, then, you know, you're opening up kind of like a can of worms and it can become so deep, right? Cause it's like, oh, you could be, um, hitting a jump or a cliff or something like that. And you're connecting to nature and the sense of being in the air, right? Like that's a different aspect, or you could be swimming in the river and you can feel that cold water and the, the motion of the water, the power that it has or you could be skiing in perfect cold powder and it's just so effortless to move through and the snow's, you know, hitting you like a wave. Like it's so light and it's so deep that it just smacks your chest like a wave. Um, so yeah, you can really like go so deep into it when you open it up. Um, so I guess then it really depends on like what specific aspect you want to focus on. <laughs> This was the aspect I wanted to focus on, <laughs> the fact that the understanding the depth of the connection in that, I think Sean put it beautifully in the fact that it's the amount of time that you're putting into something in, uh, what do you think, Matt? Is that uh, pretty accurate? It, it, or? Yeah, I think so. I, so this conversation for me is actually going very much towards like flow state, mm -hmm. right? When you're in that, that, especially talking about mountain biking and stuff and what Dean was saying about, you know, being in the water and stuff like that that's the same thing when i'm longboarding like i'll i'll get on a flow path and just like you know needle you know thread the needle ring the bell and keep on going right um 
And I think that is a very close relation to being in nature too. Cause that's a very natural state to be in. Like when you're that confident and you're that skilled and you're happy and you're just like in the flow, right? That's a very good natural space state to be. Never mind if it's trees, water, asphalt, you know, on the highway doing a buck 40, right? You're in that flow state. And that is such a natural state that it's, it's, I strive to actually get to that point. In a lot of things. Sean, what do you think about the flow state? Yeah, I think that, uh, that, that is heading in the right direction in the sense of when you first start something way over here, you're super janky. Like you, you can't even tie your shoelaces in whatever you're doing. And then way over here, this is the whatever, 10,000 times later between here and here, you learn a few things. And those things that you learn allow you to do things better, more efficiently, more effectively. And that starts reducing your CPU load. That starts re reducing your processing bandwidth. The more you can offload all of the tasks of the new thing that you're in, the more you can be aware of the moment until like maybe you're, you've done a lot of uh, CQB work, a lot of uh, close quarter battle work in the uh, killing room. Uh, when you blow that door and you go into uh, hit that room, well, you're already feeling the next room because the room in front of you is already taken care of through nature, through your natural process of understanding precisely what's in front of you without having to process it. You can feel the room without having to process the room. And that's kind of like longboarding. That's kind of like mountain biking. That's kind of like skiing. The more you do something, the more it does itself through you. And so when, when, um, Dane is up in the air on his skis. He's not having to run all the math. The math runs itself. What Dane can do is simply be. He can be in the moment, allowing Dane to do Dane based on an overarching theme of, I think I'll do this. And then it just happens. And that's nature as well. If, if you want to go connect to nature and it's your first time connecting to nature, you'll probably spend more time planning the connection, then you will actually connecting. It'll be all of the avalanche beacons and all of the poles and all of the four pair of shoes and the extra socks and the just in case I get trapped in the snow I need. Those are all good ideas, but someone can spend more time planning than actually doing. It's the doing that is the required part. It's standing next to the tree. It's freaking hugging a tree that makes you connect with a tree to some degree. Uh, not planning it in your head, as it were. I like that. So on that note, then, do you think that, do you think that, say, being in nature, going out to the mountains or going to a lake or going up to the mountains, do you think it's a requirement in order to have a connection with nature? Or do you think that, um, or connection to nature, perhaps the connection is more internal than external? What do you guys think, Dane? I'm going to come to you first. Um, well, again, I think like we've opened up a can of worms here and I think that we're splitting hairs to a certain degree. Um, so in the sense of the conversation, you could say, no, you don't have to go out into nature to connect to it because you're connecting to natural physical abilities. Mm. Um, so I think that then there would be a bit of like defining what connecting to nature is, right? Like, you know, we've made it so broad. Um, 
But the one thing that I was thinking about is something that I've noticed, especially with athletes or people in general, maybe, but, um, I'm going to talk a bit about also like the mental health side of things just to bring in another layer, which isn't connecting to nature, but I guess it is still natural, right? Like everyone has their own uh, mental health side. So what I've read and I've seen, and I'm going to just talk about professional athletes because that's kind of the genre that we're involved in, Mm -hmm. um, is that say somebody finds a sport and it just becomes their everything and they feel that connection to nature they become really good at it and it helps them mentally. So in a sense, they're getting that connection to nature and they're progressing their ability and they just keep going and going and going and climbing that ladder of ability and connection. But I find that there may not be really a defined endpoint. So then it's like this constant climbing and it's and it's an escape from any other types of situations that they're going through and that's why i was talking a bit about you know going to the river and just sitting there and being in nature in that form of the natural sense because i think there's a quality in learning how to just be in that truest sense not like when i do a triple cork and it's i'm just being in the air because I've built my skill set up to this level. It's again, being okay with just being and allowing the natural world to settle you. Because I think that people do things again to occupy themselves and to slow the chatter in the mind. And it's like, as we talked about before, building processes. So to have a process of just being in nature without doing these natural physical aspects that we're capable of, it brings back the calmness, right? Because I think people find, find calmness in doing their activities because they're super good at it. They're able to disconnect and they're allowing their brain basically to run on autopilot. And so you just really want to bring back the calmness be able to be still and know that things are okay in life and feel that connection to the natural world rather than always having to do those physical things. Interesting. Sean, you got some thoughts? Yeah. I, I think that if Dane was really good in the air, he'd be able to achieve the same status in the air as he has on a rock. At least if you listen to guys like Miyamoto, Masashi, etc. And I think it comes down to you do one thing, you do a thousand things all the same way. So if Dane has achieved a level of mastery sitting on a rock, he should be able to achieve that same mastery up in the air. And does anyone disagree with that? Is it because when Dane's in the air, his head is too full of doing all of the math? Is that because Dane isn't yet good enough to strip out the math and just be in the air just as he is on the rock? Is that a skill thing or is that a, what is that? Dane, what do you think? Um, well, being in the air definitely is a skill thing. Cause I developed that over, you know, basically 30 years of my life. Of course. And, now let's, um, let's times your skill set by 10. Let's pretend now you've got all the skill in the world. 
do you, do you need more skill to be in the air versus on the rock? As far as just sitting? Being. I think you being. used the word being. Yeah, I did. Didn't yeah. You? Yeah. Being, yeah. Um, well, it's something that's new for me because I typically have been very active throughout my life. And I'm finding that just being is very helpful for me for sure because it's like, you know, there does become a point where it's like, you don't have to go out every day and push yourself to do those activities and all that kind of stuff. So even though I have all that skill in skiing, I'm developing a new skill and sure I could draw on those aspects from skiing to help me progress just being, um, but it's a constant state of learning. Interesting, Matt, you got any thoughts on it? Just what Dane was saying earlier about how people were getting into a task that they really, really love and they keep on repeating and try to form to escape. Like that kind of triggered me and that a very, it sounded very much like almost like addiction and then be, trying to dial it down so that you're actually um, using it more as a, as a centering point versus an obsession or an addiction. Um, I think it's something it's easy to cross that line. It's easy to cross a line from a passion to an obsession. And um, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say on that part. Yeah. Uh, as for being on the rock or being in the air, I think that the, it's two different things, but I think both of them can feed into each other, right? When you're, when your mind is racing like 10,000 kilometers an hour, when you're doing something that you're just like float state in, you're figuring out the, the you know, gravity's following me on, on, at, on me at this speed and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make this hit. I think that can also be used into being passive too, as well. That rapid processing in that, the rapid processing that you are doing sitting on that rock is still something you can use to base yourself on calmness and stillness. Sean. I can see your brain working on the yeah, back just, there. Yeah, my, my brain is working uh, as it tries to achieve a state of no mind, which is what I'm talking about, the state of no mind. Sitting on a rock, state of no mind. Up in the air, state of no mind. On the BJJ mat, state of no mind. On a bike, state of no mind. Walking down the sidewalk, state of no mind. State of no mind, that's what I'm talking about. So however many hours it takes a person to sit on a rock and disappear, empty their mind, uh, a hundred, a thousand, 10,000, a million. How, how many hours does it take to do that in the air on skis or a bike or on a BJJ mat? 10, a hundred thousand, a million, a billion hours. It doesn't right. really matter. What, what does matter is they're all achievable as far as I'm concerned, based on the amount of time you put into the thing whether it's holding a sword or whether it's uh, riding a bike, if you are pursuing the state of no mind, which is a worthy pursuit, then you can do it on a rock or you can do it in the air, as far as I'm concerned. Now, of course, the trick is how to get there. If it, it seems easier on a rock, but I don't think it is if you've ever tried to do both on the rock and in the air. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why I was, I know I kind of went sideways and kind of rambled on that one, but you being that silence is your brain is still working, trying to figure out silence and it doesn't have to either. Right. And when I was relating it to the flow state of being in the air or doing what you love and doing, right. That flow state, you can get into a flow state sitting on a rock. 
as easy as you can get a flow state perfecting your craft, but it does take time. It does take practice and it does take um, like practice and skill and understanding of what actually you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I and guess so, I, it, it, so oh. if you want to move that out into the rest of your life, like if you want to move that out into your ski life, your ride life, your BJ life, whatever the life is, the, all the lives that we all live, if you want to push it out into those lives, then I think you got to start somewhere almost like kindergarten mm -hmm. level, like sit on a rock mm -hmm. and try to enter a state of no mind. And once you can start like almost feeling that, almost touching that, once you get a, a sense of things, then you can start figuring out how to move it into your other aspects of your life, whether it's a door kick or whether it's a whatever. Dean, you had a thought? Oh, yeah. I just, I find it quite a bit different between the two aspects that we're talking about. So my version of no mind, so to speak, or the flow state in sport is super different from me being, you know, just sitting at the river. So, so to speak, like I can really disconnect because I have trained so much in my sport. So it's like, if I'm going to come into a jump and throw a big trick, like I already know how to do that. So, and you're moving so quickly. So you really just like disconnect the mind and you do the movements and everything is like happening all at once. Whereas definitely sitting on a rock is, um, uh, sorry, like, what, sorry, what's, what's happening all at once. Did you mean times happening all at once or. Uh, well, like just the movement and so, so time, the movement and time, of time. Yeah. So when yeah. I'm in the air, I really do. I've, I've described it before in motocross when I'm in the flow state is, you know, it's like roll your eyes back and just, you know, don't think about anything and just do go through the motions basically. Like you kind of just completely disconnected and you're not thinking about really doing it. You're just doing it. Um, whereas the, the process of being definitely is different. I think. And as it was alluded to, you know, there's a lot of brain chatter, so it's quite a bit different, but I guess the feelings that I get from the two are very different is what I'm trying to say. So like <laughs> the sport aspect is still like what I was saying. It's like, you're out there doing, you're focused, you're, you're doing these physical aspects, whereas the process of being and absorbing the natural world is very different, at least for me. And I get different things out of them. So you, you look at it differently as an athlete, which one do you find more difficult to uh, flip in a trick or sitting on a rock? Um, I guess it would depend on the difficulty of the trick, but I don't uh, know. <laughs> a difficult one. Yeah. If I was doing a quad, then I would say it's pretty hard, but, right. uh, I think the process of being, you know, maybe like anything takes some time. So if you've never gone and just sat somewhere in the natural world, it's going to take you some time to be able to be comfortable sitting there, right? Like if somebody brings their phone with them, they're going to pull their phone out and look at it, or they're going to whatever they may do. So you do have to work on just being in the natural environment, but I do find it brings a different sense of calmness to me for sure than doing a trick. Like if I go do a big trick and I just disconnect and do that natural aspect, then I'm going to land that trick and be like, boom, and just feel super fired up, jacked up, really high level of confidence. Whereas if I go sit at the river, I'm going to be like, you know, everything's okay. Things feel good. I'm connected to the world. I can see that like, there's not a need to be doing all these things all the time, you know? So very different 
um, mental aspects. I am reining myself in. I am reining myself <laughs> in. <laughs> I'm watching it in real time. Let's hear it. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, I see no difference. I, I, the only difference I see between sitting on a rock and flipping a trick is the amount of time spent in, in both. And if, and as uh, to Dane's point, how you view the world, how you view the action, how you view the thing. And so, um, if you make a, a, a flippity doo trick, uh, you choose the hardest one in the world and you've, it's your first time doing it. Well, you, you ain't a natural at it. It ain't natural. You, you ain't connected to the moment because you're actually trying to figure the moment out. But let's take a three out of 10 trick, like a, a, in difficulty, which it, someone has done a bajillion times. They're in the now. Everything disappears. They start it, they finish it. They don't even know if they did it because with a state of no mind, you simply blink and it's done. And you don't know how it got done. I'm simplifying. No, that's and, right. so, yeah. and so with that in mind, it's the same as a rock, a, a rock sitting on a rock and trying to enter a state of no mind or disappearing is mega complicated, super complex if you do it the first time. But 10,000 times later, that rock doesn't even exist, nor do you. You didn't, you don't even know if you went out there and sat on the rock and then went home. It didn't exist. You don't exist. The state of no mind is the only thing that existed in the moment. And so it depends on how long you've been doing it and how you view the obstacle as the way as it were. So in the air, if that's the obstacle, you ain't connected to it. On the rock, if that's the obstacle, you ain't connected to it other than through the action of trying to figure it out. The moment that you've got the moment figured out and it all disappears, the rock, the sword, the skis, the bike, the mats, all of it, it's all the same, in my opinion. A state of no mind is a state of no mind. And if you can interact like uh, Miyamoto Masashi on steroids, state of no mind, then that's a great way to live where you simply move through the world present in the now and things just take care of themselves. I know that's a magical uh, interpretation, but I do feel that it's all the same. Uh, and I, it's not just a random thought that just bubbled up into my head. I felt that way for a long time. And I, I guess I feel that way because it's been supported by all of the reading that I've done, uh, not just scientific journals, uh, but uh, mostly uh, some of the great writings of the greatest sports athletes, the greatest martial artists, the greatest blah, blah, blahs, all of the things. People who do it all really well can figure out how to state and no mind things a whole lot more than uh, just uh, for a, a millisecond each day. Yeah. It, it's an interesting point you bring up too, because when you think about athletes in, in any sport, it's the connection, the first the first part of it is the connection to the sport, right? Like you don't, I, I can guarantee you, if you were to ask Wayne Gretzky how he skates, he skates, right? I, I'm sure there's technical things to it that he could, that he could churn out and like teach someone how to skate, but I think probably for him, it's not even a question. Once the skates are on and he's on the ice, he just does. And it does. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at, Sean, at least in, in my mind, is that the, the initial connection when you first learn how to skate, you first learn how to ride, you first learn how to be on the mats, it's, it is overwhelming. It's all the things are happening all at the same time and you don't know how to control anything. And it's, it's too much for your body to 
um, engage upon initially. But once you harness that connection to whatever it is you're doing, you can get to a point where you're no longer actively thinking about the connection because it's always there. Yeah, I I think of like a sculpture, I've never done any, I've never created a sculpture, I wouldn't even know where to start. So if someone handed me a chisel and a hammer, I'd still be standing here with the two in my hand an hour later. But someone who is a master in in sculpting, whatever that means, maybe they get handed a chisel and a hammer, they look at a block of rock, they blink, as they open their eyes, there's a sculpture in front of them. In a state of no mind, they created a, a work of art, a, a piece of beauty, a sculpture that didn't exist previously. They didn't have it in mind. They didn't have a vision. It just simply appeared in time as they stepped out of the state of no mind. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. It makes sense. Matt, you got any thoughts on any of that? No, I, I agree with what Sean's saying. And in the fact that it, it is a learned skill, I mean, to, like, it sounds simple. I'm going to sit on a rock and watch a river go by. But I mean, there's 10,000 things going through your head. You know, why is my butt numb now? Because I'm sitting on a cold rock for four hours, right? Um, Daniel's had a good point too about like phones and other things, other distractions. Where we, we live in a, in a thing of distraction. I mean, notifications popping up on my phone and my computer six times while I'm on this podcast. I mean, it's just distractions everywhere. So be able to learn to silence those distractions and just focus on that moment in time and i think that goes with that flow state too that moment in time hanging in the air for that one one hundredth of a millisecond where you're you know calculating oh what my peanut butter sandwich is going to taste like in two hours um it's a learned skill and it takes time and it's not something you can just like pull off and say yeah i've got mindfulness i mean buddha's only existed once or you know there's not hundreds of Buddhas around because enlightenment is not something that, you know, you can download from an online course or something. Um, so it's a practice skill and it's something is a lifelong skill to be connected to the moment, to yourself, to nature, to your passion, to all the things. Yeah. I guess I would bring up the fact too here. I, cause I think that we're on different wavelengths, but also the same, like I a hundred percent agree with Sean. Like when I do the things that I'm really good at, you know, it just happens. I don't have to, think about it. Um, but it is definitely a developed and trained skill. But what I find is that we are still talking about like two aspects to connection to nature. And the one thing that I feel like is, uh, what came to mind is yin and yang. And I think that's what we're talking about to some degree here. Yeah. And so when we're talking about, you know, we're talking about sport and you're talking, you you are saying that like, whether you're doing sport or you're, you know, say meditating or whatever, sitting by the river, um, its essence is similar because you're seeking that state of no mindedness, right? Um, but from the perspective of yin and yang, you could say, um, like yin would be the state of sitting by the river or sitting and looking at the mountains, whatever it may be. And the yang is more the physical activity. And also like, um, I think it's in Japan, they do forest bathing, you know? And so, you know, I'm talking about like these two sides to that equation. Um, and that's where I'm saying that, like, I find them to be very different 
and they have different effects on me and like my my persona and my overall vibe. So I've been getting a lot out of that connection to the natural world in the sense of the yin side of things, because typically we focus a lot on the yang, the doing, the physical aspects and that kind of thing. So that's why I've like constantly been on the side of more the being aspect as far as observing and being in nature in that sense versus being active, being in the flow state, that side of things. You know, that's why there is yin and yang though, is because there's two parts to a whole, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, uh, I, I figured that's what we were talking about for some time. And, and as we were uh, considering it as a group, I think, well, certainly from my perspective, it doesn't matter to me what, what a person has got figured out, whether they're yin or yang or neither or both or can't spell it. It doesn't matter. All you got to do is type your shoes and go out into nature. That's it. That's all. And it, uh, Dane is talking about choosing one or the other with intention, which is an entirely different conversation as important as connecting to nature is what is your intention when you're connecting to nature? What is your intention as you're thinking about your intention to connect with nature? That is a, that's an interesting conversation in and of itself, but whether a person is choosing to intentionally yin out or choosing to intentionally yang out, it doesn't matter to me because one will lead to the other. If you do it enough times, eventually you'll get to the branching point of, whoa, I've been yang all of this time. I've got to get my yin figured out. You know what I mean? That is a great point. And the fact that in order to be whole, you need both sides. Right. And I think that's what you're getting at, Sean, is <laughs> if you're too far to one side, the other side is going to be that much more challenging. But they both lead into each other. And once you allow that to happen, that connection becomes easier, at least. In I think it self-corrects with enough yeah. repetitions. But there's the key. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Repetitions. I mean, you no one can sit down on their couch and listen to this academically and learn what we're truly talking about through a conversation. You got to tie your shoelaces, uh, go out there and do something, whatever it is. And, and over time you'll figure out whether you're doing one or the other, what you're really trying to do and et cetera, et cetera. You just got to go do. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Dane, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I agree with Sean. For sure. The thing that does come to mind for me is just bringing up both sides of the equation and really trying to define them. Um, as an example, when I was younger, I read the rise of Superman and that's very much involved in the flow state and our physical abilities, which as we call it is a connection to nature of a certain type. And, um, just bringing up the yin and the yang aspect, because it is really easy to say be yang for a long time and then go through some kind of like potentially crisis situation where, you know, maybe somebody's like, oh man, my knees are super sore because I've been running for like seven years straight or whatever it may be, right? And so bringing up these topics and defining those aspects in conversation, I find super helpful, especially when I'm learning new topics, because if I can have a bigger picture of the overall equation, then it better helps set me up for success 
than if it was only one side of the equation. And then I have to go through seven years of experience to then find out that I need that other side and to have to learn it then. So from, yeah, my learning experiences, I find that the more that I can know about what I'm delving into, the better I can create a well-rounded process now, then gain all of that experience and then be able to tweak it then just be on one side of the coin for an extended period of time and then have to learn the other side and tweak it and go through kind of more of those growing pains. Yeah. Agreed. I, uh, I just had this thought that, uh, the, to be able to look at something and see both sides of a coin is, or to see both sides of the coin is a skill set in of itself. But then the further skill set of that is to realize that it's still one coin. <laughs> it's still the same thing, uh, to begin with, or that you need both sides in order to have it. I got a comment here, Matt, you got any thoughts before? No, I set up comments, man. Sean, you got anything? Yeah. Well, as you were talking about a coin, an image came to mind. Maybe we've all done it before. You flip a coin so hard up in the air that it it it's there, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not flat anymore. It's it's a three dimensional object, truly, and uh, holding a larger time and space continuum in the moment, based through physical action, through your intention, and so what was generally speaking viewed as a two dimensional or two sided or simple this or that then becomes infinite possibilities in that moment in that three-dimensional space briefly so uh i i would like everyone to think about yeah there are two sides of a coin until the coin disappears of course that's exactly it uh so we just got the one comment salty jinx says he jumped in this a little bit earlier he said what a perfect time to show up i just finished 11 miles of bush and trails on the bike and absolutely connection to nature. This is part of it. Um, well, do you know what is funny? So uh, on that point, because uh, Salty Jenks has just recently started riding his bike and by recently, I mean this year kind of thing, you know, kind of getting back in the game, figuring it out and having fun with it. He's ha- really having fun with it. And so he's connecting to nature through a sport. But what he just said is he's connecting to himself as I read the uh, the comment, because if he's having fun is is nature the fun or is he creating his own fun in nature and recognizing that he's having fun? Cause it ain't fun unless you're connecting to yourself in nature, recognizing that you're having fun. That's a great point. Uh, Matt, you got any thoughts on that? No, I, I, I like that. What Sean was saying is like in your nature, you're creating your natural state. Mm. But, yeah. Jane, any points? No, I agree with Sean. <laughs> But you know, like, so, you know, like, uh, it's not an agree machine. I mean, (laughs) in that sense, I I don't necessarily have any major thoughts on the topic. Yeah, Yeah, but haven't you? So what's your observation? uh, When you've been you've been out with lots of athletes, Dane, and uh, everything from first timers all the way through to the best in the world. I mean, what are your observations uh, between that delta of first timers to large and in charge? Because here's my observation. The more you've been in the game, the more you can kind of lose sight of the joy to some degree. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I guess more in the sense of my own life and uh, skiing. Definitely when I first got into the game and I was becoming a professional skier, I was out there filming for the first time. It was like everything was so new and um, doing new tricks for the first time, you know, crashing more, let's say. Um, But just everything is new 
And then you get way down the line and it's not really new anymore. You know, you've elevated yourself to such a level that you can do these like super insane tricks. You can do them on lock. You've bent all the locations. You've hit the majority of jumps. You've hit the lines. You recognize everything in every film. Like, you know, I can watch a snowboard movie and be like, I've hit that. I've skied that. I've done that, you know, because um, there's only so much out there. Um, so the experience definitely changes in that sense. Um, but also having the experience enables you to land, uh, tricks first try, um, you know, you know, the locations better. So, you know, you, you just kind of reshape your mental process at that point and, um, just change the way you look at things and find enjoyment in different ways. Hmm. Interesting. I, uh, so salty junks, salty jinx kicks in back with this. He says, I love being out in the trees and enjoying the bike ride as an added bonus. So that's a definite benefit. And he says, it's where I find myself riding or rucking or fishing and hunting. Those are all great ways to connect to nature. I had, um, I'm going to relay a story from a long time ago. I was reading an article about meditation and, uh, in the article it was talking about this, the author was talking about the fact that he went to Nepal and he learned from Buddhist monks on how to you know, meditate and went through the whole processes and uh, spent a number of weeks there. And then he came home and it was really struggled to find center and try to, to, to figure out how to meditate because all of the external things were off. And he was talking about, oh, well, the, the chanting I can't hear. There's or no the, wind chimes. There's no wind chimes. There's <laughs> oh, none of it that must have been stuff, hellish. Right? <laughs> and, well, in the article, he was talking about the fact that, you know, oh, well, there's, there's traffic noise and there's the elevator you can hear and all these things are going on. And he came to a point at the end of the article that said, you know, he started to realize that those external noises were just ways in which he could communicate with himself. And that was where the, the shift happened for him, where he was able to meditate again outside of the monastery was because the external noises were just external noises. And he was utilizing them in order to find his center rather than just finding his center and putting those things aside. And I thought it was quite interesting because it kind of goes to what you guys are talking about in that there is a point where the external world becomes the world. And to remove yourself from that can then be a challenge because that is the world to you, if that makes any sense. Uh, Matt, you got any thoughts on that? Here's no, I like that. I like that story. Um, kind of related to that story. I got a hot water tank that's right outside my bedroom, right across from the wall, and it hums all night long. Mm. And when people are using it, I can hear it go up and down and flush and whatever it's got to do. But after the back like it i've been using it actually as white noise to let myself fall asleep at night so when that thing is humming is i just focus on that hum and now that's a natural part of my environment and it is my zoning because it is that constant hum my chanting my wind chimes right mm -hmm. so it's it's that i adapted something that's in my environment that i don't want into something that i can use for my own benefit sean what do you think yeah, I mean, that's uh, what humans do. We adapt or we're supposed Evolve. to. <laughs> and supposed not to. not everyone does it as well as uh, they should. Uh, but uh, Matt adapted to the situation and that's kind of what humans do. But here's the interesting part. The downside to that is because we can be so adaptive, we can adapt to an environment that is not good for us. So now imagine uh, there's a dump truck 
in Matt's living room. And, uh, and, and now there's a front end loader in Matt's living room and they're going to be there for the next two months. Matt's going to get used to it. He's going to get used to all of the noises of all the heavy machinery and all of the good stuff. Now there's a parade that goes through every morning. Matt's going to get used to that. And so our, our connection to the adaptative process can be a positive or it can be a negative. So connecting to nature is an adaptative process that takes a repetition in order to kind of, when I'm riding my bike, I can smell a storm coming from a few hours away. I don't need yeah. to look at the sky. I know it's going to happen. I don't need to look at my phone. I know it's going to happen. That's what adapting, repetition, patternizing creates. But on a negative side, Matt can adapt to the front end loader in his living room and make it normalized. But now his sleep's suffering, now his attitude's suffering, now he's kind of bummed at all front end loaders, as it were, et cetera, et cetera. So adaptation is good, but you've got to keep the uh, understanding of what you're adapting to in check. I mean, goes yeah, Dane. Uh, I know you missed a chunk of that, but you got any thoughts on uh, anything you did here? No, I, I missed that part. Okay, cool. I just uh, I imagine you coming back to the conversation being like front end loader. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Renovation. That's, that's all good. We're uh, we're just about on time here, so let's do some final thoughts on connection to nature and you know what our connection is. So, Dane, I'm gonna start with you. What do you think? Final thoughts? Um, well, I think that we've covered some great topics here and uh, definitely expanded on what connecting to nature is. Um, my big thing would be, you know, maintain the yin and the yang and have both sides of that uh, aspect. And also, I guess when you flip the coin, it's uh, more than just two sides to the equation. So there's a lot to it and uh, just uh, maintain a balance. I like it. Matt, final thoughts? I think it's to be in and with nature or in and with your environment or the dump trucks in your living room, it's a learned skill. It's how I see it. You just can't like accept it and be like, oh, that was, I didn't do it right. Obviously, I don't have like masterful Zen level 62, right? Not a 9,000 power level. It's a learned skill and you have to take time. And you have to grow with it, evolve with it to get the maximum outcome of it. I like it. Sean, final thoughts? Mm, connecting to nature a hundred years ago wasn't so much a forced learned skill. It was a survival mechanism. Mm. You, you, you had to understand the seasons. You had to understand the weather patterns. You had to understand if this, then that. People were connected to nature a hundred years ago. Now, not so much. Now, connecting to nature is maybe because their phone is out of battery and uh, they're bored and they've, they're going to go stand on their front lawn and, and stare at their neighborhood. That's connecting to nature nowadays to some degree. And so I feel that there's a massive delta, a, a, a huge gap between 100 years ago to today. And uh, I feel that that's what's playing out a lot of the mental health issues that people are having nowadays. If they could get out into nature a whole lot more, I think we would see a whole lot less uh, mental health struggles. Uh, but maybe that's for another time. Well, good thing that we do this every day. So we can have that conversation for sure. I do think that, uh, you know, the connection to nature is there's levels to the game. And if you're just getting into it, obviously, you know, stepping out of your house or stepping out from behind the computer or putting the phone down, 
Welcome to level one, right? You've entered into connecting with nature. And then there are multiple levels to the point that you can find a state of no mind while executing all kinds of different skill sets, whether it be in midair, whether it be on the mats, whether it be in the CQB kill house, whether it be wherever. It's a development of skill. And those developments of skill come from learning how to connect with yourself. Once you can learn how to connect to yourself, I think you can build upon that and you can grow into your natural state. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. See you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo. Chimo.